Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jazz fans. Welcome back to episode 53 of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm here with Paul Quay. Paul, thanks. How's it going? Good evening, everybody. There's Paul. All right, so we have the the enviable task of being positive. The Jets won their last two games. We were recording on Wednesday night. The Jets play game five tomorrow on Thursday back in Winnipeg. Uh, Our positive friends, uh, Mike and Alistair and uh, Daniel, not as much. uh, They got to uh, say all the negative stuff after the Jets lost two games at home with a big hill to climb, and they managed to do it. They managed to go to St. Louis and win two games there. And uh, so now it's it's all rainbows and unicorns. We get we get all the fun stuff, and uh, we're not usually the ones that get to be known for being positive. But uh, we're we're going to do our best to be fair and to be positive. He's trying to get outside the comfort zone this week. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so just to recap a little bit, uh, the Jets uh, they lost two at home. Like I mentioned, they lost two uh, one. And they lost uh, 4-3. Then they went to St. Louis. They went 6-3 and 2-1. Uh, so the four goals for and against. They're 12 goals for, 10 goals against. So pretty close there. Uh, as far as the points go, uh, let's see. We got Wheeler, Shifley. Uh, Ly- no, uh, sorry. Wheeler, Shifley, Buff, and Connor all with five points. Uh, Connor and Line both with three goals. And Buff and Wheeler both with four assists. So all the usual, usual suspects and stars getting the points like we expect. Nice to see a bit more contribution from everyone else. I mean, you see those numbers usually bump up with the 6-3 game, some more people getting on the score sheet. But, uh, yeah, so far so good. So um, now I'm just going to say a little something, Paul, uh, here, and then you can kind of respond to it. So uh, the Jets go into St. Louis. They're down two games. And many, many people, including myself, was like, okay, they're they're done. Now, obviously, anything's possible, but – being down two goals and going to St. Louis, a team that's been, you know, very good as of late before the playoffs started. I mean, they had a little bit of a dip at the end there. Um, they have a goalie who's played really well, and they've played quite well at home. So it seems fair to expect that the Jets might not be as easily successful there. And then they go out and they win 6-3, and then they uh, come back uh, two nights later and win 2-1. But uh, I, I find it a little bit interesting that people – uh, don't think that the the negativity, quote unquote, is warranted. But I think it's pretty fair to say that is a hill to climb. But uh, the Jets they managed to climb the hill, so we can all admit that, that that was a hill to climb. Or hopefully, we could all admit that, and they did it. So uh, are they 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 ready to continue that success? Or how do you you see this? So what's your read on losing two games at home and then going and overcoming? Um, uh, where do they go from here? Or is it really just a coin flip between two 99 point teams that are, you know, have both won two games? You know, it, it really can't get much more even uh, from what I see. Just goals four points at the end of the season in the standings, you know, and <laughs> all that stuff. It, it feels like quite an even series. And now to come back to Winnipeg, uh, Blues obviously have something they want to prove, but Jets have momentum. Is that is that enough? Or is uh, maybe the home ice advantage not nearly as advantage, uh, as much of an advantage? Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, w- what is your read on this series now that uh, the Jets have managed to tie, tie it up? Well, here's here, I mean, if we go back to last year, right, uh, we're playing Nashville – I mean, how many of those games it was, uh, we couldn't win at home, they couldn't win at home. So I guess the Jets have proven um, in this series, uh, uh, to harken back to the last year, is that it almost doesn't matter. Like the home in a way doesn't matter. They Maybe they're more comfortable on the road. Maybe they're uh, maybe there's too much pressure with the whiteout at home. They say they get energy from it, but uh, sometimes I think that can make you push too hard. So, I mean, let's face it, after the first two games, uh, you know, you were, uh, you were down. I was a big seller. I was like, no, there's no way. And I think mm-hmm. part of that, and you know, when it comes down to, you know, maybe us, or I'm sure there's a few uh, more of us that were Jets 1.0 fans or just Winnipeg sports fans. I'll even throw us all uh, under the bus there for a second. I mean, we come with a boatload of insecurity when it comes to <laughs> team success, playoff success, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the first sign of of weakness, uh, I mean, we're we're in for the kill, a lot of us. So uh, some of that's warranted. 
this year. They did play very well in the first half, although against some lesser teams in the back half of the season, they just didn't seem to have any momentum. They didn't seem to be able to maintain it. They played to their competition, as I've said before, uh, just on and on and on. So when they go into the playoffs, and I had the uh, pleasure of being the uh, the one who had to look at all the negatives in the uh, in the preview of the playoffs uh, and go with the St. Louis Blues. Um, yeah, they were playing a team that was hot. They were playing a goalie that was hot. They had obviously been hot since the beginning of January, and we had not. So even though we both had 99 points, definitely not something you would think of uh, that you might see as a as close a series as it has been because of the way the teams were trending. Now, in the first game, uh, we give up a goal late. We lose, uh, I think, that 1-2-1. One, one. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. Home ice, uh, we get a bit down. Uh, uh, in the second game, again, tight game, 4-3. They score in the early third, and we couldn't uh, come back. I think the main thing to look at in the two games in St. Louis was I saw more uh, energy from the team. And I don't know if you can uh, confirm that or not from your uh, eye test, from the parts that you watched, I saw more energy, saw more jump. Uh, I did see, uh, especially last night, as much as, uh, as you went through the points with, uh, you know, Shifley and Connor uh, who scored the winner last night, first uh, overtime goal in Jets thrashers history, history, by the way, as I've uh, mentioned, um, the, the line that really stood out for me was uh, the TLC line. It was right. uh, Tanev cop Lowry that had, St. Louis pinned in their zone, uh, and even Wheeler mentioned it after the game on one of the post-game comments. They had them pinned in the in the uh, in the St. Louis zone for a good chunk of the game, tiring those guys out. And then when Shifley, um, you know, uh, Connor uh, and uh, Wheeler came out, or Liney Little and Ehlers, they got offensive zone starts against pretty tired St. Louis defenders. So I think their uh, contribution to the games can't be understated. And I mean, ten have had a good chance on a on a uh, on a breakaway as well. So, the, you know, when you add all those things up, um, the overall team energy is a big plus. I think on the two games in St. Louis, I hope they can maintain that going into uh, Game Five, and then of course, hopefully, if all went right, finish that off in Game Six. But uh, let's uh, the the other uh, the X factor for St. Louis. Uh, Bennington has basically proven that he is what he was in the in the regular season. I think in the last two games, our forward depth was just outplaying the um, St. Louis forward depth. Right. Well, uh, e- even yesterday, like uh, just look at the game. I don't know if I mentioned we're recording on Wednesday night, but uh, uh, the the game yesterday, the Jets definitely got better as the game went on. But even for all the pressure that they 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 you know created and and all that stuff. It still was a two-one game. Like I, I realized, game three was six-three, and so I'm not I'm not trying to 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 nitpick. But yeah, there's still obviously some concern with a, a a very good goalie being able to bounce back and continue to be very very good. I mean, like I said, the Jets have scored more goals, but I mean, it, it's pretty even. I, I'd say with the the, the goaltending, um, certainly for goals for and against, which uh, I know it doesn't, I think isn't that, about save percentage, that. but. On that Sorry, overtime goal last night, just just to clarify one point, the, the, yeah, like, yeah. the play that Bufflin made was so understated. I mean, he didn't get an assist on the play or anything like that, but that play he made to, to come back to the zone and make that quick outlet to uh, to Wheeler, who then attacked with speed, was uh, yeah. fantastic. And if you really want to say, okay, it's even right now where the, season, the series is obviously 2-2, the play has been even, but take Bufflin and Morrissey out of the mix for this right. series right now and where would we be right. yeah <laughs> yeah so actually I was, we have the back let's put it that way absolutely there's there's a, there's a huge positive yeah it's something that we we're all looking forward to for sure and they they are definitely some uh some difference makers in buff you know he could be a game changer i mean like you said he, it would have been nice had he gotten to assist on that one but very very smart quick play and it was really nice just to see wheeler move his feet like just you know have you know, uh, a third of the ice to to kind of get his speed up and see him move like that. So it was it's just nice to see see him move because there's been you know a lull overall in the in the Jets as a, the season ended and games like this you know that where they're able to beat a very good team in their you know home 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 rink and everything. Uh, sometimes it feels like um, that those ones 
I, I don't trust that they're going to win those ones, right? I, I'm glad that they do. Very happy. And uh, it, it's awesome to see them coming back tied up with a bit of momentum for whatever that's worth, you know, after being off for, uh, you know, 48 hours. And so is insecurities coming games. back again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's Winnipeggers. We don't have fingernails. We don't hear right. We just chew chew them all off. But I, I think it's interesting though. Dude, just I don't have when, hair. Come on. Yeah, me too. I just cleaned it up though. But uh, anyhow, um, the I, I always find it interesting when people are talking about the series, like whether it's media or just people. And it's it's interesting when uh, just the narratives that people kind of stick to. Like for example, I'll just kind of back up to something. Uh, not quite related to the series, but um, if a team, you know, has a long break and then uh, the first game back, you know, they, they kick the snot out of a team, then the, the narrative is, oh, that break really did them well. They really, you know, were able to get their energy. But if they, after a long break, they go out and they get their asses kicked, right? Then the narrative is, oh, they were off too long, right? I'm just even thinking kind of related to Tampa Bay, like they hadn't played uh, Cooper was talking about them not playing some meaningful games for so long. I mean, you can always find uh, reasons for things. I don't even want to say excuses, but reasons of why things happen. But it's almost like if you just flip the argument the complete other way, the reasoning you can give for that is equally as convincing, really, depending on uh, what your ears are receptive to, or if you're the person speaking it, what you already sort of believe in, what your, your, your bent is towards things. So with the series with the Jets, I feel like it's it's even, but going into St. Louis when they were down those two games, I think it was fair to not have lost all hope. Obviously, you have to win, you know, win four games. So, uh, but I think it was fair to be critical of the team. And I, I'd like for those of you who did uh, listen to it, uh, I liked some of the ideas where they said, let's just you know go for uh, go for broke, whatever. Put Niku in, right? Put uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if they said buff on Ford, but they just kind of said change things up quite quite a bit. Uh, just to see where you can get a spark, uh, and uh, they they obviously didn't do that. They that's very would be very uncharacteristic of an NHL uh, coach. That's more like a a college football coach move to do something very uh, ballsy. That's end of regular but, season kind of thing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, but they they kind of stuck with it. And the, the thing is, we we all know this. Everybody knows. This. I mean, well, actually, I've seen a couple people online um, say some weird stuff. But uh, we all know that the Jets are one of the most talented, deepest forward rosters in the league, right? And they have a, you know, a Vesna candidate goalie uh, from last year. And I mean, like you mentioned, Buff and, and Morrissey back there. And obviously Truba's, you know, wicked as well. And they got a couple other defenders that, that uh, you know, pick up the rest of the time that, you know, are obviously aren't of the same ilk and quality. But this is a team that, you know, you can expect to do well. But when they got themselves in that that hole there, it was hard to believe that they can. But now, now I mean, all bets are off. I, I the, they could come back here and and win six nothing or lose six nothing tomorrow, right? Or or have an, another close game. I think this series is is as wide open as as possible. And I mean, that uh, that may be really obvious to say, uh, as we've talked about how close the, the teams are in almost every category, with the only maybe slight advantage going to the Jets because they're at home. But I mean, that's been meaningless over four games already. So um, yeah. And yeah, I just want to kind of speak to, speak to uh, one of the points that you made there just about the narratives, how we, how we view this series, right. And how people talk about it. And I don't always think that it's, it's fair. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fair to, to criticize a team that's not playing well, but it's also, if you come back at people and say, see, they did it, it's almost like those people are not admitting that there was ever a hill to climb. Meanwhile, the team's at the top of the hill, right? It's, well, see, they're there's at the top a saying, of the hill. Yeah, there's a, there's a saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, uh, in sales myself, but uh, there's a saying, you know, sales cures all. And in sports, winning cures all. So if you're winning, nobody's going to look for the look for the problems. If you're losing, everybody's the problem. So um, th there was one main thing that actually changed between um, the the home games in in, uh, in Winnipeg and the road games in St. Louis. And uh, you know, I kind of pointed out something before that it might be it might have been an issue, but they dropped Kevin Hayes to the fourth line. And they actually quasi-benched him in the third period of game two. Now, when you look and say, okay, could he have been the reason maybe for the team meeting? 
um, afterwards because, uh, you know, even going back to last year, everybody said it's a close-knit group. Everybody likes each other, blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, when you get to game 80 and you're having team meetings for half an hour in the dressing room because everybody's not happy or not playing as well as they should be or whatever the case may be, uh, you look for, okay, what's changed since last year? Um, could it be him? I don't know. But there has to be a reason he was benched, and there has to be a reason he was dropped to the fourth line. And you can kind of see the extra effort. I mean, even he played uh, pretty well in game three and four. But that was one of the main things that I noticed um, as far as the change. I mean, the lineup didn't change as far as the players in it, but the uh, the deployment of, of um, the players did. I'd still actually yeah. like to see Bolu in, in favor of Kulikov myself, but at the same time, you know, uh, I'm not the coach and that's a minor thing, but I don't know if you can speak to this, but uh, whenever I see uh, Myers and Kulikov on the ice together, uh, I'm having some of those insecurity flashbacks as well. Yeah. You get, you get a little bit uh, nervous for sure, but uh, I just, uh, I mean, I think uh, Marat, I know Marat spoke to this at, before the season even started when he was on with us and he felt like players would be in the lineup or stay up with the jets, like this coming out of camp. Um, kind of uh, contracts would dictate that a little bit. And I mean, for as bad as Kulikov and Myers have been at different times, I mean, Myers has definitely some more offensive uh, abilities that are, can even be fun to watch. And, uh, but those two together. Uh, yeah, are no, nine, and I'll agree. I'll agree nine, with that as well. Yeah. They're, they're $9.8 million. And I just go, you, I would bench $9.8 million. Um, never, no, even before this, I would have never got to this point because I would have never signed Kulikov and I would have traded Myers for a first round pick before their expansion draft. But that's for another time. Um, well, but, uh, uh, here's the thing about, about those moves. I, I didn't mind the Kulikov move and we're, we're kind of getting away from the series a bit here, but yeah, I didn't yeah. mind the Kulikov move because we needed that left-handed D and, um, and uh, Chevy went out and did it. And you can't fault him when that's what we need and he goes out and gets it. Now, could Kulikov have played uh, up to that contract more? Probably. But in the playoffs, we don't even have to worry about contracts per se. It's just who's playing the better game. And to be honest, when we talk about um, you know Kulikov adding offense, not particularly, uh, versus the defense that we need to play, um, yeah, Bulio, uh, since he came over, is probably the better option. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people would, would agree with that. But uh, again, uh, kind of back to the way that coaches in the city isn't even a criticism on Maurice, but more on the way that hockey moves. It's very slow moving. It's, it's not school. very progressive thinking, right? Yeah, it's old school. So uh, changes come slowly. It's almost like politics, right? I mean, it's a, uh, uh, it's similar that way where just change happens slowly. And so unless the coach is comfortable with you and seeing you for 60 games, uh, you're not getting the opportunity for the big show, right? That's just what well, it is. And so. I think, I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, detractors of, of Paul Maurice would, would say is that it's not necessarily, you know, some small moves that he makes or non moves that he makes. It's about line deployment. It's about yeah. why you've got a fourth line that plays three minutes or why you've got a guy that sits in the press box for 22 straight games and then gets in a game and everybody goes, okay, well, look, he, he didn't do that well. We told you so type thing. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but in the end, we're, we're getting away from the positivity here. I feel, I feel, negativity, yeah. I feel negativity creeping in. So we better, uh, we better move on. Everyone stop listening by now. Okay, well, you know, I just uh, kind of to your point, though, just talking about the, the time. Uh, so in game four, I'm just looking at the, the forward time on ice. And this is something I've always said. Try and make sure all, all your forwards always have at least 10 minutes and never more than 20. That's kind of a, a, a good starting point. Obviously, it can waver a little bit. Special teams come Clearly, into play yep. and, and, and skew those a bit. But in uh, the uh, game four, uh, Wheeler was just uh, 43 seconds over 20 minutes, and Line was 50 seconds. Shifley, of course, t 22 in a bit, and uh, Connor a little over 21. And uh, is that a time? Sorry, that's total that, time. Is that, yeah, so that includes some of the overtime, which would make sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about the overtime part. Yeah, I guess I would excuse it a bit too. But still, just look at the, I guess, the ratios of them be, uh, between each other. They still look pretty close. And then Pro was. Um, uh, nine minutes and 34 seconds. So just a sh uh, shade under um, 10. And if you go back and look at the, the minutes uh, and the usage and whatnot for game two, it was, it was pretty bad. It was like, you know, Shifley, Lina and Connor, they're all, or not uh, Shifley, Connor and 
Wheeler, you know, all 22, 23 minutes, right? And then at the fourth line, like you said, I mean, Kevin Hayes had eight and a half minutes. I think Rosovic had seven and a half. It was something like that. So, and then in game three, uh, also the, the, the time was spread out very well. So I think that's like a good part, especially because that's what coaches all say. And everyone, I think this is something that doesn't even require a narrative or anything to necessarily prove it. It's just kind of based on people needing rest uh, a certain amount. But if you can roll four lines, that's the the, the whole idea, right? And uh, yeah, so if yeah, you can, if you get everybody involved. Yeah, Sorry? The, the, playoffs, the playoffs are an absolute marathon. So yeah. if you're not able to roll four lines, you're going to burn guys out very easily. Now we saw that happen, I think earlier in the season with Shifley and Wheeler, where their, their ice time was getting up, as you say, like almost North of 25 minutes in a couple instances, I believe. So when you get to the playoffs though, and I mean, you're playing every other day, it doesn't seem like it's that much more of a grind, but I think mentally it is because you're like, okay, we've got, we have to win four out of these seven games. You have to yeah. break it down to those those little segments, like Paul Maurice says all season, he wants to break it down to five game, game segments. These are seven game segments. So we have to win four of those. And to do something like that, you you kind of have to have all the lines firing. And in the playoffs, you have to have your, you know, who's the hot goalie. And you, you want to be able to keep guys quasi-fresh without burning them out. Because once you're done with one series, as we saw last last year, we, uh, you know, we beat Nashville. What happened in Vegas? Yeah, we ran into a hot goalie in, in uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. But we also, um, I think, were just burnt out from how physical and how quick that series was uh, against Nashville. And just to speak to some of the series, that I've only seen a few games from some of the other series, uh, you know, Cal- uh, Calgary, Colorado are on uh, right now as we're uh, recording. But the, I don't know if, if you noticed this as well, but the speed, I mean, last night uh, that game was physical, but it was quick. It was It was really quick. And tonight... Uh, Cal, uh, Cal, uh, Calgary, Colorado, very quick. And, uh, you know, preceding that was Boston, Toronto, also pretty quick. So you can see where in the old uh, old school version, um, big, heavy game, lots of physicality, yes, and that exists, but there's so much more speed now. So to have that speed, it's nice that we have the young young guys, like the average age of the team is is low. But, I mean, you can burn out those guys pretty quick if you don't roll four lines. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we might come back to the series as a whole to see if there's any other points we want to touch on. But um, I did want to make sure that we got to some of these. I told people to send in some topics and questions to be discussed. So Mike, one of our contributors, says, Blake Wheeler for me has been a beast this playoffs. Um, what jet has risen to the occasion the most when compared to his regular season? So talking about players that, you know, are, you know, they were on the team in the season, but you, you've seen that little extra gear specifically from them in the playoffs. So who would, who would you pick? Uh, from, uh, from regular season to, uh, to playoffs. Well, yeah. to be honest, I mean, as much as uh, Wheeler has been a beast, I actually closed his uh, Twitter account today, I believe. So I don't know if that's just a temporary thing for the playoffs or, uh, <laughs> or if uh, maybe some people were getting on him after the first few games, but anyway, uh, from regular season to the playoffs, I would say, uh, definitely that, uh, the, the one who impressed me, cause I always kind of had him as my extra guy, if you want to call him that was, uh, Andrew Kopp. I thought he played fantastic last night. Uh, that whole line, obviously Tan of, uh, uh, Lowry and Kopp played, played, uh, out of their minds, but you always see that speed from Tanev. You always see that wall work from, uh, from, uh, Lowry. And working down deep and making uh, making smart plays and stuff like that, but I really thought Cop has, has picked it up the last uh, couple games and and, st- and stood out to me. Uh, Wheeler obviously a beast, but he's also a beast in the regular season. So just from a most improved uh, standpoint, in my own uh, estimation, I'd say Andrew Cop personally. Yeah, uh, yeah, Wheeler did have seventy one assists uh, during the regular season and ninety one points. So yeah, he's uh, doing doing Wheeler esque things, and when he gets a, a couple less minutes, he looks even better out there. Like like I said I, in the I overtime, to, when he had the speed. Sorry to jump in, but I don't. I I'd all I'd also throw a Chirot there too. He's played. He's had a good series. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. I, I actually I can fairly say I haven't really noticed him, and they always say that. Uh, 
defenders are better when you're not noticing them. And I feel like I haven't really paid attention to him at all, except I saw he was interviewed, I believe, last uh, last game in one of the intermissions. But <clears throat> I will say, um, I, I totally agree with you about the cop thing. I was not a cop fan before, and I think a lot of people really weren't. They're kind of like, what is this guy? What is he, right? And uh, he's come a long way. I know Tony online has uh, spoke his, uh, his praises for a long time. And I think we're all starting to see it. Like, I think... But, you know, but this is the thing to admit that cop is good now, though, uh, doesn't mean that uh, he wasn't as good before and criticism of before wasn't good. This like, uh, sorry, I'm just going to take this to the Tanev thing, because this is a topic that I always like to talk about is is Brendan Tanev. But um, to say that Tanev is a serviceable, you know, fourth liner, you know, borderline third liner, if you're you're playing with that checking kind of line. Um, is fine and that's fair and that's good and I can admit it. I, you know, I understand why people like him. I do not understand why people love him. I understand why people should like him. Uh, but he he was really 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 bad when the Jets got him. I, and so to say that he was really bad and then people kind of throw that in your face. Uh, maybe, maybe this is too negative. Talk about this. But I was like, see, I told you. He was good and i'm like see you liked him when he was terrible that's dumb on you right so anyhow he's he has been uh, uh has improved uh a lot and uh i just don't like the amount of players that he jumped when he was uh, not quality enough to be jumping those players so here's the uh point are you talking about the draft more with uh, no no with i'm talking about in, it within the organization uh, with uh, uh going, sorry uh, with Tanner with Tanner. Oh, I, I keep thinking we should be sending uh, Boston thank you notes for uh, Kyle Connor. By the way, as a as a as a as a, as a thought on the draft. But um, the, here's the thing about the "I told you so" people, and it, and it's on both sides. I'm not saying that the you know the people who were you know all there, all positive all the time, unicorns and rainbows are uh, perfect. And I'm not saying that the the realists, quote unquote, of the rest of us are perfect. The reality is that you know, we're going to be right some of the time and we're not going to be right some of the time. And that's, that's how it is. But to absolutely deny that, um, things don't go bad sometimes and things don't go good when we think they're bad, um, is, is incorrect. So, uh, the, I told you so stuff. Yeah. Should people get into that? No, they shouldn't. But, uh, you know, people are going to do that because it's human nature to go, Hey, look, I was right. And, and that's how it, that's how it is. The reality is with a guy like Andrew Cop, Yeah. Was he, perfect no was he developing probably and maybe we were expecting more and i think it's the same with the team in general that some of us who are you know viewed as negative just maybe expect more and some of the people who are viewed as positive just want to gloss over some of the uh, the lesser lights let's say when they happen yeah and i'm and to be fair like i mean cop was uh i believe a fifth round draft pick fourth or fifth i know him and hellebuck and lowry were all fourth or fifth left. I just there's a guy that that's a guy who last night Maybe. specifically I noticed and go wow he's playing a, a hell of a game. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that about him too. But I will just say uh, Matt Maddie Matt Robinson said uh, line A may be the best jet so far in the playoffs, hurting a bit now with the crap lines, but still very good. I agree. Line is actually look good. It is fun to see him hitting. He does definitely look engaged, even as a you know I'm not a line A fanboy, but uh, somebody who's defended him when people were talking about trading him because it just got a little nonsensical. Um, he definitely does look more engaged. So good for him because it's good for the team, and uh, he seems to have St. Louis's number. I mean, um, all season. I mean, I, I, know I would love like to know one game, but. I don't think it's a Fortnite thing or whatever, like that whole slump during the season. Uh, he, but I mean, during that time, the criticism of maybe not the West Tradeham stuff, but the criticism of him was valid. I mean, he but, was he wasn't moving his feet. He didn't have his head in the game. He was making kind of loosey goosey passes. Uh, the, the toe drag, oh, that's a that's a head scratcher. Sometimes he does those toe drags and gets picked when he's the last guy back. Um, yeah. It, it there was there there was valid criticisms of the way he was playing. Now this series, absolutely engaged, hitting people, scoring goals. Uh, he made he's made some nice passes uh, that haven't resulted in points, but they are good, solid passes nonetheless. So the where the uh, the criticism of him was valid during the season, the praise of him in the playoffs is also valid. He's played a, a good series, and when he plays well, he's going to take some of the attention away. Uh, from like uh, when uh, the defenders that are playing us, the St. Louis defenders are going to be having to to play against the little line A Ehlers line and give more space to Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor. 
Right. And and Ehlers, when you're talking about that line, right? If they're kind of looking for for a line, I mean Ehlers, no, he he doesn't need anybody to give him space to for honest. But uh, yeah, for I, sure. I, 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 mean, never, I don't think I've ever seen a guy with such deft puck moving skills like as far as speed as far as just being able to dance around people have such bad luck when it comes to actually putting it in the net in the playoffs it's it's yeah. it's 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 unfortunate because man he just he deserves a, a, a boatload of goals with the the way he plays well let's call it now Ehlers first goal tomorrow right how about that first goal tomorrow yeah absolutely there we go. all right one of those uh, lights another one. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah this will uh this one's not quite as related to the current playoffs, but would you move Perot to try and sign Tanev and keep TLC going for a few more years, assuming Pomo doesn't Pomo, of course, I don't know what that means, uh, or move on from both because of KFC and Line's upcoming contracts. So I guess Perot being some sort of a linchpin as far as what you can get done and not get done. Um, I will, I'll go first. Um, I'd say pro is very valuable. He hasn't been playing as well as, uh, he has in the past and what we know he's capable of. Obviously two dumb penalties, uh, yesterday has him in many people's, uh, doghouse in their minds, but, uh, I don't actually value, like I've already just shared. I don't value Tanev nearly as high as other people. I think that he's replaceable. I think his best skill is his unorthodox, the way that he plays. And so he gets some benefit from that. But I mean, he leads the team in backhand shots and wraparounds. And, and those aren't always the, the coming from position of strength. But they, if you take enough of them, he's, he's definitely been on the better side of luck this year. And I don't think uh, that will continue. I think whether he's with the Jets or another team, I think you probably see a regression, certainly in his offensive numbers. And um, I don't think that all of a sudden he turns into some elite passer or has elite ability to receive a pass next year. So uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, I'm going to rewind to conversations from a long time ago or earlier podcast. Um, people can only do what you give them uh, opportunity to do really. And so within the organization, I mean, uh, people could say Tanev, you know, uh, kills penalties. Uh, he's on the fort check of, uh, whatever uh, those are the two main things block shots i feel like i don't know maybe a seventh rounder like mason appleton could be taught to do all those things and if you give him the same number of minutes maybe he would do that pretty well but we'll never know you only know who actually did do it so uh rewinding to two seasons ago people are you know singing tanev's praises again i'm not trying to tear the guy down but i also know that he played more minutes than patan dano uh Rosovic, Lemieux, all combined. It doesn't matter if you like those players or not, but those are all players that the team drafted at, you know, decently high levels. Actually, not Dano, sorry, but Dano was a first-round draft pick. So these are all quality, skilled players, and uh, he played more than all of them combined and did something with his opportunity. So it's great. You know, again, good for him. He did well with his opportunity, but it always drove me a little bit nuts when people would talk about how terrible Dano is. And I go, when's the last time you've seen him play? I mean, you don't, like you mentioned earlier, somebody doesn't play for 22 games. They come in for a game and they don't look amazing. And then people get to shit on them. Whereas, you know, Tanif, uh, people love him. And uh, we're not always, like you, you mentioned, I thought you, you did a good uh, kind of wrap on that. We're not always honest about uh, about it. People kind of gloss over things. So if you love a player, you don't notice uh, him giving, you know, two backhand passes right into uh, right to the other team in your own zone a game. Yeah, and for some reason, it you just gloss over it in your mind. But you definitely notice when, you know, player X that you don't like does something you know, stupid, right? So, um, kind of makes many, many boneheaded plays. Not as many lately, actually. To be, to be fair, but uh, yeah, he he passed over a bunch of other people. But uh, uh, this team does not ride or, you know, die on Tanev. It's it's totally negligible. Uh, it, he's he's very very replaceable already within the organization. People don't want to hear that, but I mean, I think you're overvaluing who he is. So that's, that's my take on, no, I wouldn't move pro. I would let his contract ride and let Tanev uh, go get overpaid by another team and watch him get seven goals next year somewhere else. So. Well, here's the, here's the, in the echo chamber that is our own uh, heads. We'll always gloss over uh, the bad stuff or uh, the stuff we don't want to see, I should say, and try and validate our own arguments. So, Absolutely. um, 
you know, as far as as far as Perot is concerned, I guess the the real question, and this might be a whole other podcast thing, is a pre-draft uh, thing or whatever. It's who's who's staying and who's going. So, right. um, as far as Perot, like I would put Perot and Little in the same uh, box, if you want to call it, as far as uh, the guys. I would say, okay, those are the guys. If you if you really had to trim the roster, as far as um, you know. Uh, for for dollars, those are two guys you could look at and say, okay, well they're making I believe four, just oh, just north of four uh, a year. So you'd go, okay, can we replace uh, a Brian Little or a Matty Perot with somebody else who's cheaper? If we're going to, if we have to sign Liney to a big deal, Connor to a big deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, would I do it? I would if I had to. Do I want to do it? No, I don't. Uh, as far as Tanev's concerned. Um, you, you know, one of the guys you mentioned there, uh, Mason Appleton, uh, had a great, uh, stretch there in the regular season, but got sent back to the, uh, to the moose and we haven't seen him since. And obviously not on the, uh, on the playoff roster at, at present, but there's a guy who had, I think a pretty good season on, on the line when he was playing with Roslovic and, and doing a great job for checking, which is basically what, and I believe he was killing penalties too at one point, but you know, there's, there's what Tanev does. So yeah. when you look at it, what's going to happen in the reg- in the, in the off season, um, you know, Connor's going to get the money. That's my my guess is Connor's going to get the money. Liney's going to get a bridge. I, I think unless unless he absolutely starts lighting it up like he has been, if he keeps the pace going like he has been in the playoffs, there's a good chance yes he could get the money. If he cools down, everybody's going to point to that regular season slump and go, oh well, which player is he? Right. So. He could get a two-year bridge, for instance, or he might yeah. want a two-year bridge saying, okay, I'm going to score a ton, so I'm gonna, I want to cash in when the time's important. You look at the backside, of course, Tyler Myers, uh, uh, UFA, uh, but one of the quietest UFAs, you never heard anything about, hey, are we going to move him or is he going to be a, an own rental, quote-unquote? There was never any talk of that. So it almost makes me think, well, is he going to stay because, you know, True North is loyal to players who stay here and – you know, I think Tyler Myers, when he had that injury-riddled season two seasons ago, and of course his, his uh, child being born and stuff, he was, uh, you know, saying glowing things about the organization. So are they going to find a way to get it done somehow? I mean, yeah. I, you don't know. So when it the the, the simple thing about Perot and uh, like a question about the ID Trey Perot, it's about who else is coming or going. And the the other thing on the uh, on the, that's going to hang over the team until the draft, to be honest, is Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba is a valuable piece, but he's also an RFA. He's only got uh, the one more round of of um, uh, of uh, talks where he can, you know, go to go to arbitration, and then that's it. Then he's going to be a UFA after that. Do the Jets uh, go in with a one year deal um, as as an RFA again and sign that, and are comfortable to go through next season and? And then if he doesn't want to sign, sign uh, try and trade him at the at the trade deadline. I don't think so. So I honestly think that they're going to make a move to try and uh, to, to move him at the draft, and they might have to tie somebody to him to get rid of a contract, similar to what right. they did with uh, with Mason. So right. what? Which one of those guys is it? Is it Little? Is it Perot? Could be one or both, or it could be one of those two. Um, and, it, and like I say, it really depends on where the contract negotiations, which you and I have no idea what's what's going on with any of that stuff. So when that that final bill comes to to pass, probably before the draft, they're going to want to know before the draft. I think that's where Truba gets moved and might have somebody else's salary tied to that deal. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, and I think that that's a good point. The um, I was just going to point out <coughs> that. Um, Little is 5.29, and he's got a bazillion years, and uh, Pro has two years after this at 4.13. So, um, again, I would if if you don't have to move Pro, I wouldn't bother. I leave him at 4.13. But um, you know, if if there's a way to keep Kevin Hayes around, um, that might be a, a good way to get rid. Like you say, with the Trupa thing, maybe a good way to you know throw Pro in there, throw some value in there. I mean, Little isn't value. That's a contract you're trying to probably get rid of in a couple of years. So, but I think pro there's probably still enough value in those last two years on him that uh, maybe in a Truba move, you, you could, you know, whatever, take some money back or something um, or a player back that somebody's trying to get rid of and then have some room to maybe keep uh, Kevin Hayes around. It, it, 
it all comes down to whatever team, let's say it's tied to a Truba deal. It comes down to whatever team values Truba that much. Are they willing to take, um, you know, little at 5.2 at whatever to get Jacob Truba and sign him to a long-term deal? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's move on to another question. This is a little bit more back related to, uh, to the current playoffs, but uh, S. Craker 24 uh, says, does the regular season performance matter anymore? Example, Tampa's collapse, Jets stumble into playoffs, Blues surge into playoffs, league parity. And then uh, our Mike responded, what would have happened if Tampa was able to choose their playoff opponent? <laughs> Who would they have taken? Well, I think if they were going to choose uh, someone, I guess they're choosing, uh, I don't know if he's saying out of the East and the West, but going to guess Colorado if you're choosing out of the West. Who, who's the shittiest team in the East? Uh, uh, well, I mean, the eighth seed was uh, Columbus, but the uh, the seventh seed was Carolina. So I, I would say out of the that's East, good. that's probably who they would choose is Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. If you're saying the West, I mean, everybody can – the funny thing about the West, I mean, Vegas went in losing, I think, seven of eight. San Jose went in losing eight, eight out of ten or something like that, and the Jets were not firing on all cylinders at all. So, I mean – to, to say that if you had a choice out of the West, it was an easy choice? Probably not, because who do you choose? I mean, out of that group, I probably personally would have chosen either the Jets or the Predators um, because St. Louis was hot. Uh, Dallas was actually coming on. Uh, uh, they had a big uh, win last night, I believe. Um, Dallas was coming on pretty strong. And, uh, of course, Vegas, you know, as, as you know, losing seven of eight or whatever – uh, I still say they were one of the hottest teams down the stretch after the trade deadline, so I don't think I'd pick them. Uh, San Jose probably would be just because of the goaltending situation too, would be a choice. Yeah. And I guess if, if uh, you're the far- person in charge of choosing, you you it depends. Are you looking at the standings, which is kind of how it's chosen for you right now, or like you kind of mentioned, would you choose based on momentum or or goaltending? Right, who's who's hot and not there. So there's probably be a, quite a few factors, but I, I think generally, if you're the top team, you're looking at the team that's lowest in the standings, because even if they're surging just to get the playoffs, it's, uh, you know, who are maybe their, their previous self that was out of the playoffs is, is still inside them. And you're, you're hoping to meet them instead of the, the team that's uh, on the surge. So I think you still well, probably take the lowest the, seed. Well, it's about the makeup too, right? Cause if you choose Columbus, I mean, Columbus, Columbus at, in the playoffs is not the Columbus of the regular season for the most part. I mean, they changed the entire makeup of their team at the trade deadline. So do you look at that and go, okay, how are they playing now? They've got all these guys. Are they getting gelled up together? All this kind of stuff. So it's an interesting question or thought process because what an interesting playoffs that would be if, if at the, for the NHL playoffs, the teams actually got to draft who they played in the first round of the playoffs based on, uh, where they finished in the regular season. I mean, yeah. that would actually be fun and, to do for him, but never going to happen. Uh, yeah, Micah McCurdy is actually, that's been his thing for a while, saying you rank all the teams 1 through 16 uh, over the whole league, and then uh, one gets to choose first, and you make a whole show of it, kind of like the draft or, yeah. or something. Yeah. So um, it'd, be, it'd definitely be an interesting way to look at it. But, uh, yeah, I don't... What was I the, don't... First part of the first part of that question again? Because I was going to say something. Yeah, yeah, we... yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I did want to get back to that because I, I, we kind of got off on, on Mike's tangent there. Um, but he says, does the regular season performance matter anymore? So, and then he said, talk about Tampa's collapse and the Jets stumbling to the playoffs and Blues surging. I mean, Jets stumbling and Blues surging. Well, the Blues weren't quite surging right at the end there. But um, I, I guess he's saying... They're, you know, these teams, Jets and Blues are are uh, dead even. So, does the regular season even matter? Can we even point? Well, to this, uh, my 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 thought process on it is: well, one, the President's Trophy is an absolute curse. So, if I if my team was close to it, you'd almost want to like uh, tell them to uh, toss a couple games at the end. But of course, you don't want to do that. That's not a good idea either. But um, uh, the, you you almost split the regular season into a few parts, and you know, you want to start out strong. Because And the Jets did, for instance, uh, and they started out strong and they built up all those points and at the end just kind of kind of faded off, right? So you want to start off tr- strong because you want to know you're in the playoffs. And then when you know you're in the playoffs, you kind of let down a little bit unless you're in a divisional race or whatever or you're having serious issues. 
uh, as far as team chemistry is concerned or injuries or whatever the case may be. So there's that, hey, we've made the playoffs. And then there's the, uh, okay, now we're in the play, we're in the quote unquote playoffs or we've clinched a spot or we're that close that we know we're going to make it. And then it's kind of warm up time for the playoffs where you're, you're getting, uh, you want to get team chemistry, right? You want to maybe play with a couple of different ideas, et cetera, et cetera, as far as offense is concerned and, and deployment. So um, is finishing first with 62 wins the most important thing? No, because I think what happened with Tampa is they literally didn't have any bad things happened to them. They didn't have injuries happen. They didn't have a losing streak where they had to question themselves. And back to part of the conversation we've had uh, tonight is, you know, if you just look in the mirror and you go, hey, everything's good. We don't have to fix anything. Um, You know, you're not helping yourself. And actually, uh, I think it was uh, Nick Kiprios on uh, Sportsnet mentioned, uh, you know, they, they won all these games and they did nothing at the trade deadline. And He says even when the Rangers won in 94, they were top. I think they were a President's Trophy uh, candidate or champion in 94. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they made trades at the deadline to bring in five or six guys as as depth or as whatever. So, you know, Tampa doing nothing and going, yeah, you know what? Everything's good. Everything's shiny, blah, blah, blah. You never know what's going to hit you. And in the playoffs, they absolutely got outplayed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I actually picked them in seven. I never thought they'd do it in four, but uh, it was incredible how they shut down the Tampa offense. Yeah. Now, uh, Tampa did have some players miss some games, like Kucherov missed uh, two games, I believe. Even right? the first then... two. Even the first two games, they had they yep. had those guys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it was that's the reason, right? Again, I, how I said earlier, right? You, you can even point to point to certain things, but you know, when you're missing your best player, you know, that there is going to be probably a bit of a letdown. I mean, on somebody would argue that, uh, I'm sure that missing your best player, everyone else steps up and you play even better than, right? So I, I, I don't know, maybe that's, that's not the answer, but, um, they weren't playing the full complement of Tampa Bay's abilities. I think yeah. it's a, is a fair statement. I would the, agree with that. You know, the the Hart Trophy winner, I believe, um, uh, not not even in two of those games, as well as who was the other person? Oh, was it Hedman? I think it was out. Victor Hedman but, was out for two games. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's one of the best defense. Even the even league. the Tampa Bay goaltending sprung a leak, and that you know through the season that was the like one of their main strengths, right? Like nobody Absolutely. could score. Yeah. So, but the, this is exactly like I know it's an old cliche, but this is why they play the game, right? So it's. As much as it's surprising, I find when people are overly surprised, I'm surprised that they're so surprised because we've seen, you know, the 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 meme of the Warriors blew a three-one lead, right? The Warriors, the best team in the league by by a mile, and then they end up losing, right? A couple of years ago in the NBA Finals. I mean, this happens in sport. This is what we love about sport. This is what you expect. So to say that Columbus is going to sweep Tampa Bay is probably the least likely thing to happen, but there's always a percentage chance of it, especially in the game of hockey. I mean, I've talked about this so many times in the podcast, but unlike any other sport, I think hockey is the one with the most amount of parity, which is a word was actually mentioned in this uh, question. So it, it is played kind of in the margins and a little bit closer all the time. So anything can happen a little bit more in playoffs. Like I bet you, uh, there's probably more first round sweeps uh, in uh, NBA history over the last whatever ten years uh, than there would be in NHL history. I, I I'm not proving that. I'm not looking it up tonight or anything. But just from my mind's eye, that feels like that feels like that should be true because you'll have enough good teams that are just going to kick the shit out of lesser teams. And in, in well, hockey, there's a reason. Like, and I mean, it's happened in hockey too. Where um, there's always the better chance that one of the top teams is going to lose the first round because they're maybe they're looking forward to the second round already. Maybe they're just not prepared. Maybe they, you know, maybe they walked into the playoffs like Tampa did going, Hey, we won 62 games and we're just, you know, we're already going to start engraving the cup. So uh, yeah, there's a reason they play the games. and There's a reason that, that uh, these series are seven games because sometimes anything can happen. I mean, um, I also picked uh, Colorado to, to maybe be Calgary in the, uh, in the opening round as well. 
And, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, Colorado, well, you know what? They were playing good down the stretch and it's a playoffs are always about who gets hot. That yeah. goaltending, goal scoring, whatever you want to call it, whoever gets the hot hand is going to ride it to, uh, could ride it to a cup final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's an interesting uh, thing. So uh, McDavid, not in the playoffs, right? Uh, Crosby is not in the playoffs. Uh, Kucherov and Stamkos aren't in the playoffs. But you know who is in the playoffs? Nick Patan. He's still in the playoffs. So, <laughs> Patan I mean, is what, in the is, well, what does that That's almost you? negative. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's almost <laughs> negative. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, it's, uh, I just, you know, it's not like uh, the person I'm making fun of right now is going to hear this podcast anyhow because apparently they don't even know what a podcast is, although they make fun of it. But, uh, you know, some people are trying to bash. Now, by the way? So, Oh yeah, we're a broadcast. Yeah, thanks to Kirk Kale back. He upgraded us from a podcast to a broadcast, as only he can do. But um, yeah, anyhow, I, I'm just having some fun with that. But yeah, um, yeah. I did actually have have another uh, question. I just lost my paper here. Um, another thought. Oh, I was going to talk about just a. Uh, uh, well, I guess we talk a little bit about the rest of the playoffs because it is interesting that uh, Pittsburgh got swept uh, by the Islanders. Uh, some people just talk into the the strength of coaching because of it, because obviously Trotz uh, winning a cup last year and now going to Islanders and turn them around because that's been a shit show for so long. Um, they've had some some moments, but they lose Tavares and now they're uh, yeah doing pretty well. Actually, if they uh, if Toronto wins, do they play the Islanders in the second round? Because that uh, would be. That they, I believe that they would actually. Is that right? Or I'm just yeah. trying to think because Washington and Carolina and because, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have to look. I, I, I don't remember what the bracket looks like right now. But uh, I was going to say that uh, who do you think has the most points in the playoffs right now? I was going to ask Who you. do I think has the most pl- uh, playoff points right now? Yeah. Most uh, I saw something that uh, I'm just, again, total guess because I haven't looked. But I saw something that uh, Jordan Everly had four goals already, and he was the first player to have four a goal and a goal in every game to start the playoffs or something like that. So I, I'll guess uh, Jordan Everly since we're talking about that series. No, the correct answer is, and I'm trolling a little bit here, uh, Mark Stone. Mark oh, Stone. Well, I don't. I guess yeah. I don't get the uh, Jet Centric Podcast official uh, hat and T-shirt. No, not this for, time. Forget. Sorry, sir. And. He, uh, he, him, and Max Pacioretty, they both have ten points, and uh, followed closely by, night. yeah, and uh, Paul Stasny has eight points. He's in third place, and then for goals, we got Stone with six, leading in the playoffs. And you're right, Everly does have four, um, and then uh, leading in assists is Pacioretty and Stasny. So just looking at that, I think it's interesting because the Jets were apparently going to go after Stone. I've heard some, you know, we've all sort of heard the rumors so that uh, Rosovic was a, a piece there. Um, yeah, I just, I, I find that interesting. It's because unfortunate. Could you imagine to, that player. Well, the, the real unfortunate part was last summer when uh, Calgary signed James Neal. That was the linchpin, I think, that took yeah. Paul Stastny out of Winnipeg. Yeah, I remember, I remember when, you saying that. Yeah, so so that that unfortunate because I think if Neil stays in uh, James Neal stays in Vegas, uh, then um, uh, Paul Stastny stays uh, with the Jets, and what a different makeup it would be. Because you know he's only one player, but at the same time, what a different makeup uh, he would he would have made the team. I know there would have had to have been some surgery on the lineup, but we saw how guys like Mason Appleton stepping in kind of took over some uh, in a good way, uh, and I think it it would have been possible to be honest, just yeah. to, to still have a good team and have two two really solid scoring lines, full scoring lines. And then, you know, you got TLC and then the fourth line would be, you know, you'd have some uh, some extras, we'll call it. Well, or the TLC would be your fourth line. No, and that, that, and that could be possible too. Yeah. Lines with spread out talent, yeah. I won't get into it. Here's, uh, the, here's the thing I would throw out to you is that with Tampa Bay losing, like, because everybody was going, okay, you know, we're all playing for second place. I mean, nobody's really saying that, but we're all saying, hey, you know, whoever gets um, to the to the cup final as far as the Western teams, uh, we're going to be playing Tampa Bay, and that's going to be it. And everybody who's in the East, you know, Tampa and Boston and all this kind of stuff, or uh, sorry, Boston, Toronto, you know, Washington are going, okay, well, we got to get through Tampa, you know, 
that's going to be a rough, uh, rough go. And I saw some playoff odds updated today where it said Toronto actually has an 18% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. And I think actually the uh, there'll be a, a meteor that hits the planet when that happens. But um, what do you think those teams are? Every team that's not the Tampa Bay Lightning and, of course, Pittsburgh are going, we we might have a real shot now. Yeah. And Especially who do you if they're think, up in their series, right? Yeah, and who do you think is the one that benefits the most from them being out? Uh, I would say probably the Washington Capitals. I mean, obviously there's a, a huge high, but now a long wait for the Islanders in Columbus before they play games again. Boston was already a very good team. I'm sure a lot of people have them kind of second most to Tampa Bay uh, making it to the finals. Um <laughs> but uh, for me, I think uh, Washington probably, I mean, I, I know Carolina is streaked and everything, but they, they have the pretty easy run into the second round. And uh, like we were kind of talking here, I'm not sure exactly who they play. I think they might actually play the Islanders just as I'm looking at the order here, right? But um, yeah, I, I think they can kind of quietly still be an underdog and also be the defending Stanley Cup champions and be a very good team. I mean, they were first in the Metro, uh, but now a lot of people are probably, I don't know, I, I don't really believe in this stuff, I, and I hate some, some narratives because, again, like I said, you could just flip it and it's the opposite. But maybe people are, are whoever's playing Columbus and the Islanders. It's just, a, mi- it's just uh, a mindset, right? Like you go, yeah, we're, we're going to be gunning for them, right? So. Well, it's like, okay, we have to play Tampa, the best team in the league, blah, blah, blah. It's just going in there is your mindset, right? And then all of a sudden, they're not there. So you go, okay. Yeah. So I would agree with you. Washington probably is one of the the biggest ones. I would say the second biggest one would be Boston because yeah. they, they figured they had an easy uh, um, uh, opponent in Toronto or quasi-easy, even though they were close in points. Now, Boston won by two goals tonight. One of them was an empty netter. Um, but I think them looking at MK once we're past Toronto, you know, it's fairly easy. The Islanders, uh, I think probably everybody for the Islanders was going to be a challenge because I think their offense wasn't as, as, um, as potent as, as uh, say Washington or, or Boston. So they would probably be number three. And if you look out West, I mean, the, the one who's going to have a, the easiest time in the next uh, round is going to be Vegas, the way they're manhandling, uh, San Jose, they're really, you know, there's some physicality to it, but uh, I mean, it's not really stressful games. They're winning these things pretty easily. And then, uh, you know, every other series has been tight. You know, this Calgary, uh, Colorado series, um, it's probably going to be about uh, tied at 2 2. There's still seven minutes left to play as we're talking. Um, with the Jets, 2 2, obviously been a tight series. And, um, and uh, the uh, the Vegas or sorry Dallas and uh, Nashville also tied two two, so you know all those teams are in are going to be in longer series and Vegas might walk through to the second round and uh, you know as weird as it might be, you could see Vegas in the Stanley Cup final against a team that's not Tampa Bay, and that they would have the upper hand on and an expansion team two years into the league has a very serious shot to win a Stanley Cup. Well, the the narratives of how the expansion draft was rigged will just be just be rampant at that point. Um, I did I did pull up a, a bracket here. So uh, Columbus will play the winner of Boston and Toronto. For those of you who are screaming at us right now, saying "fuck it," don't you guys pay attention? Then yeah, so that's who they're gonna play. So uh, the winner of that one, Washington. Uh, well, I suppose if they get past, or I'll say it this way, the Islanders will play against the winner of uh, Washington and uh, Carolina. So, but I think again. Islanders. They what a series that would have been if Toronto won and they played the Islanders. Oh, can you imagine the animosity? Wow. Oh, I, su- I suppose they still could. Islanders got to win one more series, and and uh, Toronto's got to win two. But I'm actually not hoping for that because no. I just, the whole Tavares in New York, and I would just hate to see those fans just because it was so obnoxious. Uh, I mean, I, I get the frustration, but at the same time, here's the here's the thing to me about, about Toronto winning a cup is like. Anybody you know who's got relatives or anybody you know from Toronto or in the area, and I'll apologize to those people now, um, do you know how, if Toronto won the Cup, how annoying people from Toronto would be? <laughs> like, for for the whole, like, forever. 
like that would just live on in for in infamy. Anybody, anybody who wins Toronto a cup, I mean, Brendan Shanahan or any of the management team, they'd have statues in the streets. Uh, there'd be 24 hour parades. It would just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I could handle it mentally. I'd be, See, we'd all be in therapy. I, I get the sentiment. I get why people talk about Toronto that way. Like I, I know there's history and I know the way they are, but at the same time, I have zero problems shutting that off. Like the idea to me of, of, uh, I, I know you're not saying this about hating Toronto or something, but the way that some people, uh, <laughs> Some people who have popular Twitter accounts uh, talk about how much they hate Toronto. They're the worst enemy ever. It's like, it's a fucking sports team. And it's like got a rotating cast of players that change all the time. And very few of them are actually from Toronto. It's just another NHL team. Like, who cares? They're not even in our conference or division. I don't think about yeah. well, it. I think it's just the, the so, history of it. It's the same as Montreal or, you know, if Edmonton won another cup or something like that. Everybody's got their, their thing, right? And I know for me, I traveled to Saskatchewan quite a bit. And after Saskatchewan won great cups, even though I'm not a huge CFL fan, everybody was, oh, yeah, you know, Riders won. And it was just for that whole you know, that whole fall and, and winter was uh, constantly about it. So I could, I could just imagine what it would be like if, if, uh, if one of those teams, like, like a Toronto one, Stanley Cup. Yeah. I guess I, I don't have any Toronto Maple Leafs fans in my life and Toronto is so far from, uh, removed from my little life here in Winnipeg. So I guess for me, I just like, uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, it wouldn't be, it would be no different than Washington winning it last year for me. I don't. Well, I when, we, when we talk about the Winnipeg insecurity complex, that'll be the Winnipeg inferiority complex. We'll call it that. <laughs> See, I've, I've tried to check out of that because I just don't care. I actively, and people, are, some people are really not going to like this, but I actively cheer against the Bombers to lose. Whoever they're playing, I'm going for that team just because I want to see them fail so bad uh, because I need them to fail bad enough that they actually change the way that they do things. And uh, I think the fans support. I know Chris and I have chatted about this a lot, uh, not on, on this podcast, but uh, just in, in real life. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I just want to see them fail so bad that they actually stop believing in quarterbacks that are subpar and, and, and blow them up. Like kind of, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. So and well, then, we all have our own uh, our own system for doing that kind of stuff, I guess. <laughs> and again, everybody everybody who's listening right now is screaming at the radio. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely! I just I just don't get it. I just uh, sports is fun. Sports is great. It's so enjoyable. I love doing it. I've had season tickets since the Jets came back. I had moose season tickets the first two years. I've cheered as loud as anyone. I got the jerseys. I, you know, like I've done all this. But at the same time, I realize that none of this matters. I mean, I get home from work and I take the baby for a walk and uh, just, you know, drinking my uh, energy drink and, and, and being with my kid outside and stuff. I mean, sports for the all the ways that it can uh, connect people together is awesome. I mean, you and I, right, just doing this, right, and, and the yeah. other and the podcast has all been through, you know, following the Jets and loving the team, right? But at the same time, if we didn't have it, we wouldn't know what we didn't have and it wouldn't matter because we'd have other stuff. It's not like there, we wouldn't have other friends. So, I mean, sports is so good. It, you know, sometimes there's a real terrible side of it, but it like in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, now, now I sound like so for everybody, so for everybody out there yelling at us right now, take a deep breath. It's all yeah. for fun. Yeah, exactly. It's just for fun, man. It's just for fun. I mean, if the jets lose in the playoffs, I know some people lose their shit forever and I follow this stuff obsessively close. Cause that's just how I follow things is obsessively close. But I mean, I will be over it within a, a, a couple hours, <laughs> like the next day when I wake up, I'll be over it and I'll just be ready to have normal conversations about what happened and what should have happened. And there'll be normal conversations with no emotion attached because that's what adults should be capable of doing. That's that's how I look at it. Just to, to remember that line from uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall when that bartender is talking to him on the beach and he's all sad that his uh, you know his girlfriend left him and stuff. He says, "It's over. Get a new show." <laughs> you know, so that that's it. Just uh, yeah, we have fun with it. And yeah, it stresses out. Yeah, do I did I get worked up yesterday? You know, trying to watch the overtime and you want you want the team like in regards to the Jets, you want the team to do well. Uh, you know, it's good for the city. You know, you kind of want to have that same feeling we did last year going to the Western Conference Finals and, and going deep in the playoffs and a chance at a cup. And even when the Moose went to the uh, Calder Cup Finals uh, before uh, was fun as well. But, uh, yeah, the reality is that, 
we spend a lot of money on it and we go to these things and, and we do them and they're fun. But when they're over, it's just, you know what, life goes on. You have to go back to work the next day. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of like I, I always chuckle at the guys when I play, uh, you know, you know, beer league hockey or something like that. And they come out and, you know, they're acting like they're scouts in the stands and they're, you know, sticks in your face and they're running into you in the corner. And it's like, dude, I got I to gotta go to work tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I don't have time to go to the dentist to fix my teeth. Come on, man. Yeah, it's true. It's good. Anyhow, well, Paul, we're just a little over an hour, so we should probably shut her down. Um, That's it. Felt like two. To <laughs> <laughs> those listening, it certainly did. To those listening, hey, you know this was only one hour. You've you've used one hour of your life. <laughs> hey, uh, here's a here's a life hack. As someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, if you have an app where you could listen uh, to everything at like one point two speed or one point four, um, you, you won't miss anything, but it won't take nearly as long to listen to it. So. So here, here's one last question before we go. Yeah. Uh, two, we've got two. Uh, we've done a, a cast after the first two. We've done the cast uh, obviously after the next two. Uh, we'll, that'll get us to game six, and we'll have to do another two probably. Either it's going to be a series closeout or game seven. Does that mean that we get to do a, a game seven live podcast as we as we watch the game and do the ups and downs and oh my god everything's going bad or everything's going great or, or whatever we'll have to work out those details i'm assuming well, what we do game seven uh is we all go to the street party we put earbuds in and uh we just talk the whole time while we wander around the street party just uh skyping on our phone and just record the whole thing and it'll be like uh, three hours long and uh i one person will listen to it so that's so for everybody listening if you thought tonight was long wait till game seven yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right. Absolutely. On that note, we're done. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. That was good. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.